How you doing, everybody? This is Dennis Michelson. Welcome to the Data Lab. This is where all the hard work gets done, where all the data gets crunched, so we can help make you a smarter fantasy football player. And here's the great thing, folks. You don't have to know a lick about science, a lick about math. We'll do all the hard work for you. And joining me is does each and every week here on the Data Lab at For Frequency's Sake. He is the professor. It's John Bush. John, welcome back. Oh, Dennis, it is the finals. I can feel it. I can. My wallet's a little empty. Open it up. Bunch of moss. Bunch of moss came out. So I need to restock it for seed money for next year. Right. So that's what we're doing. People think, oh, yeah. What do you do? I, I, I plow it back in. Right. I plow it. So it's I'm winning seed money this week to do bigger and better things next year to get more money to more seed and so forth. Eventually my empire's coming, the professor's <laughs> empire in fantasy football. I'll own everything. No, it you know, no, don't don't listen to me. Sometimes I get a little crazy. Finals week. Uh week sixteen got me going. There was a lot of good news, but there was some sad news. There's a lot of variation. There was a lot of uh, really poor performances, and I've got to think about what all that meant. But some of them took me down. Some of them I was the beneficiary of. People forget if you only play in one league, then that variation will 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 just roll right over you. But if you play in a lot of leagues, sometimes variation can hurt in one league but help you in another. So, uh. I made eight out of 19, so it was a little bit lower than I wanted for finals. Uh, uh, if I hit all eight, then I make a lot of money. If I hit two or three, I probably get close to breaking even. So I got to have two or three, and you'll hear next week uh, my feeling. I'll either be really happy or really sad this week. And I know, Dennis, you made nine finals and I, I congratulate you good job it's been a tough um, we were in the mud slinging blood you know tears sweat we've been hitting it hard and it's coming down to this week and this is not the time for people to flip over and give up this is the time to get mean now now we're getting mean in the finals we're going to block our our opponent, if we need to grab every quarterback that's possible, whatever we need to do to crush them and hear their sadness and crying, that's what we want. <laughs> this is what we're, this is what we live for is to crush their souls. This is the week that that happens. 30 teams that I consider my, my A-list teams. They're all my cash leagues and all my important leagues, like my home league and you know, my oldest dynasty league, which is a free league, but very competitive with some really solid players in it. So out of those 30, I made the playoffs in 24 of those. So not too bad at all. Um, I made it to the final four in 15 of them. So I was pretty happy with that. It's about half. You know, I made it to the finals in nine of them. The only only bad thing on that is both of my $100 leagues I mm. came up empty. So it's yeah. not going to be as great of a yep. uh, financial windfall this year, but like you, 
I mean, I started uh, like four years ago with $50 is all yeah. I played. Yep. And yep. now I've got about $2,000 in leagues that are in yep. play this year. So yep. that's what I've been doing too is building. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You, yeah. you build, you take a little cash out, enjoy, yep. but but plug a lot of it back in. And I, I've been doing about a 50-50. So I take about It's $50. seed money, Dennis. Yeah. It's seed money. We're it planning it for next year. Yeah. It, it is seed money. And it's, it's a lot of fun too. And I enjoy it because the more data points, the quicker you can yeah. learn in fantasy yes. football. And, and, but you're right. Like, if you are diversified, yes, you're not all on one stock. You're not loaded up and have Derek Adams and you know Devontae Adams on every oh, team. Yeah. Or, Let's not mention his he whose name will not be mentioned. Oh, he cost a lot of people. Oh, um, he cost me him he, and Miles Sanders. Oh yeah, and and see that's the key is guys like that even they're top notch. The Adams is my number one wide receiver in weekly values. Although this year, he has not been as strong by a a long shot. I mean, he's had more less than 10-point games and more less than 5-point games this year than he's had in the previous three years combined with Green Bay. So definitely quarterback has affected him, and now the quarterback's going to affect him even more this week. So it is going to be very important to look at the professor's efficiency data because with yep. some of these quarterback changes, you got two oh, out, man. you got Carr being replaced. You probably got, who is who, who's taking Carr's place? I forgot. They're playing that uh, the young guy uh, oh. over there, um, and and this is what you, you this is you what don't I don't understand. Know. Here's what I don't understand. Okay. 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 I'm going to explain what I don't understand about okay. this move. Uh, okay. Is you've got Derek Carr under contract for a while, okay? Yeah, yeah. So the reasoning that was used by the coach in this case okay. is right. I need to see what I have in Jarrett Steedham. Yeah. We know what Jarrett Steedham is capable of, and that's probably is not much. So Derek Carr, as bad as he's been, is still a better quarterback than Jarrett Steedham. I don't think this game and next week will change anybody's mind on that. I can understand if Derek Carr had a minor injury and you just say, hey, we don't want him to get hurt, whatever. But I would not trust anybody on the Raiders this week because yeah, I mean, obviously, if you don't have a better option, you got to play them. But this is where I think the efficiency data is going to come into play because we might find a sleeper that we want to replace some of these stud wide receivers with that are going to be dealing with different quarterbacks this week. And I'm not as worried about Bridgewater in Miami as I am worried about Steedham in uh, in Las Vegas. I just don't see that change playing uh, off. Uh. Now are they are out of the playoffs, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, yeah so the Raiders are Raiders are last. You know, they're battling for last with Denver at this point. But okay, they're so. they're both. You know, they're they're definitely out of the playoff hunt. So it, it, I guess it makes sense from that standpoint, but it makes no sense to me. Has, and then this is another 
off-season question. Has anybody looked at teams that are kind of out to look at the consistency of, say, the maybe the top players like Devontae Adams? I mean, how can we – it's the trust issue. Could we trust him now, not just quarterback-wise, but just what is he thinking? Like, man, I – you know, I'm kind of in a, a, you know, a trap here. I need to chew my leg and get out of here. <laughs> and so you wonder, I, I I would like to run some of that, just look at that, you know, just, just to see. I mean, I think there might be an effect. I just wish I knew what that was. But right now I don't have that. So we're guessing. And, and I haven't seen any stud. Like I said, I don't even see any studies. I don't know people on the radio and Twitter. I mean, I, I re- they rarely pull data out like I have in my articles over at Science of Fantasy Football. I never see data or any kind of distribution of data, any stats. I don't know where that's happening. I guess it's happening somewhere. But I, I don't know if they just think people don't care or just tell me how I can win. I understand that. You know, I don't care how to fish. Just show me who, who, where I need to drop my hook and I'll, I'll catch them. And I understand that. And you and I, I think we, we want to try to help educate people a little bit. And maybe that's, you know, we're not going to be the – on the radio ever because that's our you know attitude versus let me you know listen to us we'll shout at you and it sounds like we know what we're doing and the louder we sound the more confident you'll be in our picks but we'll have no data you know it's a house of cards and when it flops we'll say well we'll you know don't forget what we said last week this is a new week and that's just my opinion and I, you know, I, I'm just ready for some people to to try to show us the data, show me the money, show me the data, and so that's what we're going to talk about here in just a second. But anyway, I, doctor, you know, Doctor Bush gets on his high horse here. Let me come back down to earth, Dennis. I get cranky sometimes. Well, I don't blame you because um, if you don't, if you're not able to back your opinion up with solid data in a data-driven game like fantasy football, what are you doing? You're just reading tea leaves? I mean, I don't get it. But you're right. We don't hear a lot. And I'm wondering sometimes if some of these guys don't have some advanced analytics, but they think if they share it with the audience that their audience isn't going to be able to understand it. And, And that's maybe... We're, you know, we're going to differ because I got yeah. faith. I got faith in people actually learning stuff if you teach it to them. And that's what I do on my video lessons, and that's what you and I will be doing off season. Is we're trying to do investigations. We're trying to actually use the metrics to point us and into a new direction or modify what we're doing. And by the way, my fantasy diary, I said I'm in eight uh, uh, finals. It's early and late for me, Dennis. I have three early and five late. 
or no, it was the other way around. Five early, three late on my uh, drafts. I drafted from April to August, and uh, a lot of my finals were early in April, May, or in August. And you and I talked about that a couple of shows ago. And now I'm thinking, hmm, I'm going to try to maybe change when and where and the intensity and the amount of leagues I join late versus early versus middle. And I think I'm going to try to not play as middle in July, maybe is, you know, I'm going to go light in July and jump on heavy in August. So I'm going to modify my approach based on my uh, diary, which is data. It's, you know, you're taking data. It may not be, you know, statistical data, but it's following, you know, data on how you behave and your decisions. And that's what my data, and I've never done this before. It's my first year to really get this deep on a, on a, on my diary. And I would have never guessed if you would have asked me, Hey Bush, what, where are you good at? I would have said, Oh, I'll probably get really good come July, August. And I'm probably really bad, you know, April, May, and, uh, you know, start picking it up in June. I, that's what I would have thought. That would have been my hypothesis. And that's not what my data is telling me. My data is saying the outliers, the early and late is where I should be investing maybe my time. So I'm going to use that, Dennis, and we'll talk more about that strategy and how I'm going to change my behavior, my 50 leagues I'm going to draft next year. I'm going to do it differently. Yeah, if you're if data is driving your decisions, you're a smarter, yes. you're a smarter player. I picked up a few years ago that I was doing really well the more players are in play. So the larger the leagues, 14 and 16 team leagues, and the more flexes are in play every week, I do better. One of my leagues that I'm in the final is called Dig Deep. We start four wide receivers, four extra flexes, and a super flex league, and two running backs and, and two tight ends. And it's 14 team league. So 14 teams with so many players in action, you end up having to be smart on the guys that you pick up. And it's not your studs that usually win that that uh, league. It's it's guys like, you know, Irwin. Chris Moore. Irwin. Chris Moore. Irwin for yeah, the Bengals. Irwin last week. Yeah, but there was, I remember you picked up Chris Moore yep. back when. I mean, this was a while ago, and I'm like, who is that? Oh, yeah. And then, you know, you would come up with some of these names. I'd be like, what, Dennis? Where did you dig this one up at? <laughs> and you, I remember, and again, this is just me from the peanut gallery noticing some of the names you were coming up with. It's like, where does this guy come up with this stuff? And I remember that, hey, you've been hitting pretty good on that. So that was my feeling from the peanut gallery looking in on what you've done this season. I did note that. Yeah, that's just uh, knowing the rosters and knowing the injuries and seeing the opportunities. But you're obviously not going to start these guys in one flex normal leagues with two wide receivers and two running backs. If you're starting those guys, you are in serious trouble. 
But in the larger leagues and the best ball leagues where you can change your lineup and, and change your players, it makes sense to load up with some of these fringe players that could have big weeks. Aquamius St. Brown won a game for me this year. Uh, Irwin from the Bengals won two. Hodgins from the New York Giants has helped me win. Richie James has helped me win. Earlier in the season, Glenn Dortch was helping us win in, in a best ball dynasty. If, if you got to play to the strengths of your ability to find these players, but you play to the strengths of the rules of your league. And if they let you change players, have, have three or four guys that are interchangeable at the bottom of the list, especially during bye weeks. I would let a fringe player who is on bye go. And maybe he had a big week for me, you know, two weeks ago. So what? I'm going to take a chance of losing him on waivers to somebody else because I'm going to have more players in play every week than everybody else. And that's how you build a winning team in Best Ball Dynasty when you have so many starters in play. Again, you don't use that strategy if all you're looking to fill out is a quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, one tight end and a flex. If that's all the players that score, then these fringe players won't help you. But if you have four flex players in play and it's a deep 14 or 16 team league, then all of a sudden these fringe players become more and more important. So you've got to know the strengths of your league. You've got to know the strengths of your ability to find these players. Look at the matchups. It's the matchup data that has been a big key to me along with the injuries. And at the, at the forefront of the newer matchup data, are the efficiency stats, and they have been huge for me this year. Yeah, so uh, I'll have this article out. Uh, I've got all the figures done. It's just I haven't uh, – it'll probably be by Friday. I'm going to shoot Friday. Thursday, I'll give you a little tidbit of the uh, defense against position and some of the efficiency metrics. And we will talk about that in our other podcast. We'll showcase the Thursday. So definitely check that out. But this is the, the data lab. And Dennis is looking at uh, my figure, my updated efficiency. And so what I show is the team, the uh, efficiency metric that I developed the uh, for the whole season, the last three games, and any differences from the last three versus the season. In other words, are they declining or improving teams? And the efficiency includes points per second scored and yards per game generated by each team. So I've combine these in a, a secret way and uh, uh, to then and then I put that together and I call it efficiency so I'm catching points scored and I'm catching yardage uh, which may not correlate right so this is point scored can be defense point this is not just offensive points this is point scored. So it's a little bit of a holistic number 
there, kind of a, a big snapshot, a top-down view. And in my lessons, Dennis, I've talked a lot about top-down landscape data versus very uh, bottom-up data, like uh, a player on a team. That's the bottom-up data. It's one player on a team. Landscape is the team total. And then you start breaking it down into like the quarterbacks, the running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. And then you get deeper still. So you're going top down and bottom up. And between those two, that's where I like to, uh, you know, kind of go through and helps me think about the data. Uh, the declining teams. In the last three weeks, Cleveland, the Jets, Atlanta, Baltimore, Seattle. Uh, Seattle's a surprise, but boy, they were hot early, but they have been in the tank the last three weeks. Washington's in trouble. Chargers are, are in trouble. I know they're. And Tampa Bay, Brady, he, he better do something. And then Arizona. And those are all declining teams in their last three games. It doesn't mean they won't win this week. To me, when I see this, I get really worried, especially deep players and deep flexes from these teams. I get extra worried. And, you know, I use this as tie-breaking. I would rather have a deep player from a team that I think is improving, which are... Green Bay, Buffalo, Houston, Houston, surprise that, San Francisco, New England, Indianapolis, which started so bad, they couldn't help but improve. And Denver has improved because they started and been so bad. And then the Rams have really shown in the last three weeks, have really shown a high level of efficiency. That's been really surprising to me here and uh but they're 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 doing really good there they're the, the that in denver are the top two improving again doesn't mean you know i'm playing everybody i'm just saying this is what we're looking at the complete team's view right not player level this is team level and it's kind of like the environment that they're in and so i'm liking some of these uh to get deep in Kansas City is in the middle of the league they're eh, not doing you know they're doing the same thing they've been doing so I guess they're probably the most I would say uh, let's see what is their number here let me move that uh they are 1.03 so they're basically almost dead center of the league they have not changed from a great whole se uh, uh, season last three weeks has been the same level of goodness so there Dallas is another one of those teams that have been really good and they're continuing uh, Kansas City uh, so and 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 by the way Philadelphia is right on the cusp of improving as well so Dennis uh, what you see tell me about the pattern chair what oh. you thinking well, it's it's the play of the quarterback. Um, in in many cases, quarterback changes. Look at Cleveland yeah. with the switch to Watson, and he has not been doing well. Uh, Boy, Zach, last three weeks oh. have been 
Dennis, I believe it's the worst in the league in the last three weeks uh, efficiency. Look at that. Oh, yeah. It's the worst. And it's lousy the worst. weather last week, which didn't help. New York Jets, the switch to Zach Wilson. Atlanta, the switch to Desmond Ritter. And yep. Baltimore, uh, yep. the switch they lost. quarterbacks without yep. Lamar. Uh, yep. And Arizona is on this list without Kyler Murray. So yep. all of these guys, all these teams have gone through so many changes, and it got so bad for Washington, they're making the switch at quarterback this week yep. because they've been in decline. And on the flip side of that, how about Baker Mayfield waking up the Los Angeles Rams? Isn't that amazing? I, I Look at see, that. I didn't see that one coming. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I didn't see the, the that match, one coming at all. His last three games or two or whatever he's done have contributed. That's the best improving team in the last three weeks by my metrics. And, and how about Brock Purdy? in san francisco not really one of, of the strong ones yeah yeah it's one of the the strongest probably in the top five five or six yeah and new england has actually maybe it got cold and they started working i don't know new england's been doing better and look at buffalo while josh allen has not been improving much it's their running game, man. They've been just running all over And they have put that together. People. Yeah, they've been running all over people. So that's the pattern that I see. It's a reaction to good, quarterback. Good. But Dallas and Kansas City are the two teams that I'm going to load up on because they're at a high level. And, and they've been keeping it at a high maintaining. level. And that's what I love to see. So CeeDee Lamb and guys like that. And, you know, obviously Mahomes and Kelsey is the – and I'm worried combo. about Miami because they've been improving oh. a little bit, but now with Tua, I uh, yeah, and, I don't don't know how to read yeah. that one. And you know, I probably won't panic this week. I'd probably roll out Hill and Waddle, but I don't yeah. do it with as much confidence. Now Bridgewater, he can he's a hit or miss, you know, feast or famine kind of guy when he was with New Orleans. That's what I saw, too. In Miami, the only thing I'll say good about um, the change that it won't kill them as much, their wide receivers are the yak champions of the world. Both Waddle and uh, Tyreek Hill will take a 5- or 10-yard pass and turn it into a 70-yard play, just like that. And, so, and their running game has been probably kept them in yeah. the, the game to yeah, so I, uh, I'm not as worried about Miami, but I am I am terrified of of some other changes. Um, you know, the the Las Vegas Raiders um, yeah, making the switch. What. I yeah. think that's going to be a disaster. So, the, my metrics, my metrics would say don't do it. But you know, I'm not a coach, and but I I don't see you know again uh, be interesting, Dennis, to follow this as quarterbacks shift in and out on some of this to see is there, you know, is, is it, you know, how important, in other words, how important to efficiency is the quarterback or the running back? See, I could break that down. It's called principal component analysis, and I could give you that data. I just don't know all the effort. Ver see, that's the thing with stats how much effort to get to where, hey, the efficiency, there's no, you know, it's if you're a good pattern guy like Dennis here, you don't need to spend days worth of work 
to find out what it's kind of, you know, the, the, you know, it's kind of like I look at the house and the windows are not cracked and the <laughs> yard is mowed. It's probably okay. I probably has been taken care of, right? Versus the Munster house, right? With, you know, bats flying out and windows broke. It's like, yeah, I better, I don't think I should invest in this house as a flipper. So, yeah, there's data we could get deeper into. I just don't know how deep I want to get, Dennis. But I could I could really answer your question, but I just don't know, do I want to spend – depends on how bored I get off-season, <laughs> my boredom the, level. <laughs> that is what the off-season is for, is these yeah. advanced data studies. One last thing I wanted to show you and, and the audience there talk about when I have numbers, and, and the way I defined it is what's the difference in comparing the last three versus the season, and I, I have a metric called difference, right, D-I-F. And so, Dennis, notice I stop at, uh, for decline, 0.81. So that's basically 20% decline in the last three games. And say, so, well, why not? 17 or like look at pittsburgh pittsburgh's nine percent so why didn't i call them declining and the other one is look at uh philadelphia is 14 percent increase in improvement but i didn't mark it i started at 19 percent as my first improving and what i do uh, and i'll have this data of people to look so what i do oh Sorry, I have jumped. There it is. Yeah. So notice when I do a box and whisker for the data, the bottom of the normal or what we call the 66 percentile is 0.81. And the top is 18. So 18 percent better than 18 percent is very uh, uh, abnormal, very, uh, very good. Below uh, 19% decline is very bad. And the box and whisker will define those levels. And so when I mark those, Dennis, I mark that because when I ran a box and whisker on the diff metric, it told me that 0.81 or less was terrible and point. Uh, uh, 1.19 or better is great. So I use stats to point uh, my uh, annotation of the data. So that's why I call it done at that point. I, you know, I, you have to go somewhere and I use stats, not my feelings. The difference is if people are not statistical, then they would use their feelings yeah, Pittsburgh, yeah, I don't like them. They suck, so they're declining too. Not according to a statistical view of it. They are, in other words, they are close enough to average that you really cannot say they're declining, even though they have been uh, 9% below in the last three games. You have to make a, a tight call, and that's what stats can do for you. And that's why you let stats guide you versus feelings. Because we all have feelings about a lot of these teams. When I say 
Philadelphia. When I say Pittsburgh, you have feelings about those, and you could use that to trick yourself, and that's why I use the box and whisker as an example, Dennis, to to show uh, uh, using stats to lead me to those actual lines in the sand. And again, I've never heard that expressed on Twitter or anywhere. As far as I know, I'm the only one that does that. You know, it's not like, Bush, why did you do at this level or that level? Well, because the box and whisker. If I don't show you that, I've done it. I'm just not showing you. But I'll show you this today. How about that, then? Yeah, and here's the thing is I see people look at – data like this and they'll show the the worst five and the best five no, no, and my no. and my answer is always why did you pick five well no, because no, no. because it's a, it's a number you know and, no, no, and we're, no, no. we're doing the same but in your no. situation you're using the data to guide you as to yeah. how many teams it is, it's, <laughs> the statistics Dennis it's uh, assuming and this is an assumption Normal distribution, as you know, rainfall, there, there is data behind weather forecasting. It is not just the, their feelings, right? You have trends and you have data and you say you have a line in the sand and you can't, you know, you, as a good stat person, you can't go beyond that and feel good about yourself. And that's why, and I agree with what you were saying, but. I'm, can you tell I get animated over the stats? <laughs> oh, yeah. And I've had many discussions with folks that are trying to tell me that uh, in weather, that certain events, they'll say, oh, this extreme storm, this is a sign of climate change. And I said, no, it's not. Because the forecast models, which were based on a standard atmosphere, got this one right. They knew exactly how bad this storm was going to be. They knew exactly where it was going to go. If we were seeing a change in climate, changing the outlook of weather, the weather models would be way, way off. It's same thing here in fantasy football. This data tells you where to set the line and set the bar. You're not just arbitrarily saying 20%. You're nope. using the data. You're using yes. advanced analysis to tell you what is significant. And that's why this data is driving my decisions in fantasy football because it's not based on arbitrary things. It's based nope. on data. This is not a cherry pick of the stats like we see too often at nope. fantasy football Twitter. This is the statistics guiding you to the answer, not using a stat that you cherry picked to support what your what your bias is. This is totally unbiased data. This is just data guiding you to an answer. Yeah. And uh so to change Didis, this is the surprise. You know you like to be surprised. So this what he's seeing and I'll have this in the article if you really want to get deep. I also look at tendencies of teams to do home and away data. That's really people been talking about uh, Detroit and 
they love home. That's true. But is it just the quarterback? Is it how the coaches behave? Is it more than just the quarterback? And I think it's probably more. I think it's a self-fulfilling thing. The, uh, the Detroit is in the dome and uh, certain things are happening in domes versus outside, and Detroit has a comfort. And you and I, you brought that up to me, uh, that uh, analysis, a uh, pattern search that you did, and that rings true to me. So what I've got here, Dennis, is for it, rush, pass, and red zone, home or away bias team distributions, and check out the range in rushing, team rushing versus passing. Look at how narrow that is versus red zone. So every team pretty much is doing a lot of passing. So when I compare home and away, there's not as much variation. Everybody's passing. We're a passing league. And here's another piece of the puzzle that confirms that. Look how narrow, Dennis, the 66 percentile box is. Look at the rushing. Look how wide the extremes are. It, how, how teams are really rush a lot or rush very little versus every team is doing a lot of passing home and away versus uh, uh, home away rushing uh, uh, attempts is really different at their home versus away. A lot more variation. I'm going to get deeper into this, Dennis, but I thought you'd appreciate looking. And then look at the red zone. The red zone is also a lot more variation. It's not as tight as passing because a lot of teams don't get to go into the red zone, so there's a lot of variation. But when I looked at the passing, I'm like, wow, everybody is sitting right there. And even the worst teams are passing, passing, passing. So I think that leads to drafting the wide receivers and some of the better than zero and some of the other strategy that we've employed. I think this data is supporting that. Maybe we didn't realize it's kind of in the background. It's it's hidden. We don't see the, the, the range of this distribution in, you know, when we're drafting, we just kind of have, you know, hey, I do pretty good when I have some really great wide receivers. And I think part of that is even the worst teams, they're going to be passing, whereas the key running backs can be a lot more variation on the team they're in, right? A great running back on the wrong team, they can be buried, right? And we see somebody like Houston. Houston, pass, pass, pass. And Pierce, uh, a lot of this season has been buried because of that. He's great, probably potential wrong team. And I think this distribution here, these box and whisker, tell me that, and I'm going to try to uh, change my strategy a little bit in off season, and we'll talk. We'll come back to this, Dennis, because I think this is a good platform to start, maybe modifying our drafting for next year. Great, great data. And Isn't I, that great stuff? Yeah, and it's, it's, a, 
it's the kind of data that is going to take a while to figure out what this means when it turns into a strategy. It's, yes. It's very interesting to see this data down, but it's going to take some beta testing oh, next yeah. year to see how we can oh, put yeah. this in play. But fascinating data, and you can check it all out at the scienceoffantasyfootball.com. The professor always gives you interesting data to chew on, and these box and whisker graphs really show the patterns and show why certain levels are more important than others when you're comparing the data. So head on over to the scienceoffantasyfootball.com. Check out our free. Yeah, and for frequency sake. Yep, and check out all of the extra data. And yeah, for frequency sake, what a great site with a lot of other great podcasts to check. Those guys are really good over there. I really like. I've enjoyed hanging with those guys. They're good folks. And I am feeling honored that I made it to the finals. Yes, good job of the for frequency sake staff league. So uh, that is. But I'm. I'm. I'm a 15-point underdog going into the finals so to, to pull one out here. Uh, well, hopefully. I'm going to pull out my my etcher sketch or something to help you. Hopefully my chief <laughs> stack will help out. But head okay. on back here next week at For Frequency's Sake for another edition of the Data Lab. Get to work, folks.